Today on Run With Horses, I'm introducing three stages of spiritual growth that we should all want to pass through in our journey of faith. My name is Norman, and my goal is to help you run your race well, not just surviving, but thriving as a disciple of Jesus. There are a lot of things you could do with your life, but I don't think anything compares with following Jesus and joining Him on His mission of bringing hope to the nations. Welcome to Run With Horses, and thanks for including me on your journey. Well, today's focus is on maybe growing in ministry might be a good way to think about it. Spiritually taking steps toward maturity and the ability to grow in many areas of life, not just ministry, not just uh, in some aspects of life, but in the totality of life. There's a pathway that we're all on if you're following Jesus. There are different steps that we take that change us and grow us, give us new opportunities. And today, we'd really like to think about some of those steps, some of those stages that we pass through. So I hope that you understand that God does want you to grow. This idea is just common throughout Scripture. We see how God is really intending that we change, that we grow. It, it's pretty clear God is working in us. God wants to work through us. God wants us to grow in our ability to glorify Him over time, to serve Him over time. Our roles change over time. You grow as a disciple, and eventually you become a disciple maker. So hopefully, you already understand that. And today, really, I'm kind of going to give a framework for thinking about some of these steps towards spiritual maturity. First, let's look at a few passages of Scripture that talk about this expectation that we grow. So Hebrews 12, Hebrews 5.12 is a, a passage that really clearly points out this idea that we should be growing, we should be changing, we should be different over time. Paul says that, well, I, and I'm assuming, you know, we let me step, take a step back and say, everybody doesn't necessarily agree that Paul wrote Hebrews, but I kind of think that he probably did. So you may hear me say that. But the writer of Hebrews, I'm going to say Paul, writes that by this time today, you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. And verse 13 goes on and says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, maturity, that is, those who by reason of use, we could call that exercise, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, this passage alone really clearly tells us there is an expectation that we change over time. And the writer of Hebrews is saying very clearly, you are not quite where you should be. You ought to be teachers by this time. There is an expectation that you would be different than you are. You have been given enough. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the work of God in your life. You have the church. For us today reading this, we would be able to say we have the complete uh, scripture. You have the Bible to rely on. So you ought to be a teacher if you have been a believer for a certain amount of time. And how much time is that? Right of Hebrews doesn't really say. 
But can we comfortably say, if you've been in the church for 20 years, you probably should be a teacher by now. <laughs> and I know some people who have been in the church for that long who would say, well, I'm not really comfortable with that. Okay, I, I'm very comfortable saying you ought to be a teacher by this time. But it says you need someone to teach you again the first principles. So there are first principles. And just by making that statement, we understand there are second principles. There are foundational truths that are in God's Word that we should understand. And on that foundation, other principles are built. But you need milk. You're still being fed the foundation, the principles, and have not got away from that. And I would say there are churches that really focus on the gospel to the exclusion of anything else. And this might be a church that would have people who are really solid with some of the foundational principles. They understand the gospel, but maybe they don't see how the gospel works out into all their life because their church continually is focused on bringing new people in and, and giving the gospel. So they're really good at the gospel, not so great at sanctification. That's definitely one way that that could work out where people need still, they still need milk because they're not prepared for solid food. And this says that everyone who partakes only of milk, only of those foundational principles, they're unskilled in the word of righteousness. He's a babe. He's a, an infant in the spiritual life, in the Christian life. And I think that word that it used there, unskilled, that's, that's important. A lot of the spiritual life, a lot of growth that occurs, a come comes as we practice, as we use, build on that foundation that we have. There's a point where you've had things shared with you to the point that you you more or less understand them, and really you need to begin to share those with other people, and that's where you're going to grow. As you share it with someone else, you realize, I might not understand that as well as I should. So you're motivated to, sh to study a little more because you're going to have to share this with somebody. Somebody's asking you questions you can't answer. So you're forced to maybe to, to think about the passage differently. One truth is that we all come in with certain questions. And as you get your questions answered, you don't automatically think of every other question that's possible. <laughs> so some questions you don't think of until you're leading someone through a passage and you're looking at it together and they have a question that you didn't have. So you're unskilled in really applying God's Word to someone else's questions because you haven't done that. That would be unskilled in really being able to apply the Word in all context. Still an infant or a child in the Word. It goes on and says, But solid food belongs to those who are full age, so maturity. And it tells us... That the next phrase, you know, we have unskilled, then we have who by reason of use have their senses exercised. So how do you gain skill? Practice. <laughs> if you play soccer, how do you gain ability in soccer? How do you get better at it? How do you get more comfortable using uh, the ball, using your feet to manipulate the ball, to pass it, to score, uh, to run at full speed and keep this ball somewhat under control? Okay, you will be unskilled at that the first time you try it. Guaranteed, it's not something that you're innately born with. You, by reason of use, by reason of practice, you exercise your feet, your foot-eye coordination, your ability to control that ball. And over time, you can get quite good at it. Some people are amazing at it. 
they started unskilled the same way that I am. I'm still unskilled, but I haven't practiced. People who have practiced become skilled in that. So as a follower of Jesus, one thing we should recognize is that I want to become skilled at using God's Word. How do I do that? Well, I need to be using God's Word. I need to use my senses, my God-given gifts and ability, allow the Holy Spirit to guide me to understand good and evil, to understand how God's Word applies in every situation, to learn how to share uh, the Bible with people who maybe have questions that I don't have. Practice, become skilled through use. So there's an expectation here of growth. There are a lot of other passages that refer to this idea, maybe not quite as much detail, but 1 Peter 2.1 says, you know, laying aside, and it gives us a whole list of things to lay aside, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking. And then, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Okay, again, we have this idea that God's word provides us with milk, and we grow through that. But as you grow, you hunger for something more than just milk. There's still this expectation of change, of growth, of growth. <laughs> Colossians 1.9 uh, talks about, well, first challenging people to walk worthy. I love that Paul frequently challenges uh, anyone that he's working with to, to walk worthy. Understand that God has called you. Uh, walk worthy. And in verse 10, he says, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We're increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might. So we're uh, increasing in our, our, our knowledge, our understanding of who God is. We're strengthened with his work in us. Uh, it goes on in Colossians 2.6. It says again that, that idea of, okay, walk in Christ. As we walk in Christ, what does that mean? In verse 7, it says we're rooted, we're built up, we're established we're rooted and built up in Him. We're established in the faith. So as we're connected to God, as we're connected to God through Christ, as the Holy Spirit works in us, we dig down spiritual roots. And as spiritual roots really dig into God's Word and connect with Christ, abide in Christ, well, there's growth that should result from that. There's an expectation, a legitimate, realistic expectation that if you are rooted in Christ, you will grow. You will be built up. Your faith will be established. You will change over time. That's a, a realistic expectation for anyone who follows Christ. And he goes on and says that as you have been taught, you will be abounding in it with thanksgiving. So, Part of our expectation of growth comes from the fact that we, we willingly submit, humbly submit to uh, teachers, to God's Word, to the Holy Spirit, which is the ultimate uh, teacher in our life to help us to understand God's Word and apply it. You know, this past week, we were talking about um, who we are as believers and Particularly as for me, you know, I'm a Baptist. I believe that Baptist doctrine is biblical doctrine. And one of the the key tenets of Baptist doctrine, at least as I believe it, is something we call individual soul liberty. And what that means is I'm not responsible for you. You stand before God yourself, which means 
as you take God's word, you have the responsibility to do the work, to understand what God has to say, and to look at your life uh, and apply it to your life. Your pastor cannot do that for you. Uh, you are you are directly responsible to God. Uh, it's part of the priesthood of the believer. You know, the New Testament calls us a holy priesthood. We are a temple built up to God. That's each of us. You are a priest. You are uh, called to go directly to God and to pray for other people, to uh, sacrifice. I think Romans 12, 1, it talks about our life is a living sacrifice. We're priests who offer ourselves to God. And as we do that, we know him better. We grow. I think we change. And we should not just change, but abound in this change with thanksgiving. You know, 2 Peter 1, 5 says that we should give all diligence and add to our faith. So you have faith and you, you start this journey your spiritual life is started in and through faith. You hear the gospel, you hear the good news of who Jesus is, of what he's accomplished on the cross and what he offers you through faith. You accept that gift. You have faith in him that his finished work on the cross has opened the door for you to have access to God, has made you part of his family, has, has uh, ordained you into this priesthood. Oh, they, okay, then what's your response? Well, to give diligence, to add to your faith. Diligence is intentional effort. God has blessed me. He's given me this grace we talked about recently. Uh, I didn't deserve that, but God gave it to me. How do I respond? Well, I respond by, God, I intentionally want to take what little bit of resources I do have, what little bit of intelligence I do have, and I want to give every effort to add to my faith. And he gives a list of things there, virtue, uh, knowledge, Self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. It goes on and says, if these are yours and abound, you will need neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, again, this idea of as we pursue Christ, we change from just having faith. We add to that faith, and we abound in that, and we're ultimately going to be fruitful. So there's an expectation of change, of spiritual growth. That's what we're talking about. So as we think about spiritual growth, I think sometimes we're not really given a good framework of maybe the progression or of what progress looks like. So this next couple of shows, I want to give you a simple three-stage framework. You could break this down a lot more. Or you could make it simpler. Right? It's not a three stages that are are biblical necessarily. I think there are biblical truths that are in each one of these stages, and we can kind of see this progression, but there's nothing magic in these three stages. But I think it will help you to have a framework of where you're going. And as you're trying to help someone else to recognize maybe what stage they're in and recognize where that next stage of life might be for them, the next stage of spiritual maturity for them. If you know that, you're going to be in a much better place to encourage them, to help them, uh, to walk with them as they grow. So we're going to go through a quick overview today of these three stages and then come back next time with the first one. If you do happen to have questions or comments as we go along, uh, you can write me at norman at runwithhorses.net. 
be glad to take your questions, be glad to take your comments. Uh, share with me, where are you at? Which stage do you feel like you're at? Which stage do you feel like is the most difficult? I'd, I'd love to hear from you. The first stage, uh, I would say this first stage is spiritual identity and foundations, spiritual foundations. So spiritual identity and foundations. So what are we talking about? Well, when we think about our identity, we're learning who we are in God's sight. Who does God say that you are? So this is a time of developing our spiritual character, of growing as a person who understands how God made me, uh, learning the basics of the Christian life. You know, if you didn't grow up in a church, you may really not be aware of what it means to follow Jesus. And even if you grew up in a church, you may not be aware of what it means to follow Jesus. Unfortunately, you can go to, to church Sunday after Sunday and not realize, not know that that's a tiny little part of the whole journey of following Jesus. So how do you learn what it means to follow Jesus every day of your life? What does that look like over the flow of a day, over the flow of a lifetime? What are the activities that are part of the Christian life? How do you, um, how do you live if you're following Jesus? A part of this stage, the building the foundations, would be developing good spiritual habits. You know, these are the kind of things we talk about a lot. You have the foundation of simply reading your Bible. That's something you never get away from. It's a foundation, but you don't take that foundation away and you don't jump off of it at any point in time. You build on it. If you think about a foundation for some of these uh, really big projects that men make, a skyscraper, uh, a bridge, they often build these huge concrete foundations and they have huge bolts that are anchored into this foundation. The concrete's poured around these massive bolts so that later they can bolt other things to that foundation. And you don't ever take the foundation away. It's firmly anchored. A lot of our spiritual life is like that. You have this foundation and you are anchored firmly in this foundation. You don't ever leave it. Things like prayer, Bible study, uh, the relationship with the church. That's a foundational topic that you will expand on as you go. Even as we go into the second stage, we'll get there in a second. Your relationship and your understanding of the relationship with God, with the church, with yourself even, will change. But it's anchored in that foundation, the first understandings of what is the church, what is the Bible. Just knowing uh, what the Bible is and, and learning to work your way around it, that's part of this foundation that you'll use for the rest of your spiritual life. So you develop a lot of these spiritual habits that will stay with you and help you as you go through the other stages. So in this first stage, spiritual identity and foundation, you'll be answering questions like, who does God say that I am? You know, that's a question that everyone really should ask. Unfortunately, a lot of people, they look at the world and say, who do you think I am? Or they just ask yourself, well, it's, it's something you just have to dig out of your insides. <laughs> well, the question for us really is, who does God say that I am? And we want to both know that and uh, understand what that means. How does that work out in our life? So what does it mean, in addition to understanding what God says about me, what, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does that look like? How does that work out over a lifetime? 
a good question to cover in this time is how do I grow spiritually? What does that mean? What does that look like? What what are, even as we're covering now, some of the spiritual stages? What are the expectations for me going forward? So for me, as I have people that have come to our church in Japan, I've often shared with the men, you know, my goal for you is to prepare you to eventually be able to to preach, to lead a Bible study. If God calls you to be a pastor, we want to prepare you. I'm not saying God has, but part of growing in Christ's likeness is to be able to do all that Jesus did. That means being able to handle the word well, to be able to love people, to be able to disciple others. That's all included. So there's no reason to hide that. Hey, here's kind of the trajectory. This is where we see a follower of Jesus going. So how do I do that? What's included? So different kinds of Bible study and prayer and different kind of service activities, what it means to sacrifice, uh, spiritual disciplines might be introduced at this stage. You're not going to cover them in great detail, though. However, the second stage, spiritual sacrifice and service. Now here, you're going to start to fill in some of those gaps. What is this? It's learning how to relate in a biblical way to others. It's learning to apply the one another's of the New Testament, learning the meaning and the value of sacrifice, learning to find real joy in serving. This is all part of this second stage. You know, spiritually, you can't do whatever you want. As you grow in ability and you're, as you grow in with opportunities, you learn to say, set aside some of your desires, some of your rights, so to speak, for the opportunity to serve other people. Those two things go hand in hand, sacrifice and service. So in the second stage, as we grow, we should be more willing to sacrifice and have a greater desire to serve. So we're going to answer questions like, what does it mean to serve others? It's not necessarily natural for all of us. There are people who are born with this innate desire just to, to serve other people. It's going to be more natural for them. They might need to learn to do it healthily in a way that doesn't put themselves down. But a lot of us, it's not natural to serve. So we have to learn to sacrifice. What does it mean to sacrifice? Why is it important? What does that look like? A good question around this time to ask and to to be able to answer is, what are my spiritual gifts? How did God put me together? What, What are spiritual gifts? I mean, you may cover that in the first stage, but here you're going to begin to personalize that and say, this is how God made me. This is how these gifts are used in the body. This is why they're necessary. So in this second stage, you really begin to look outside of yourself. In the beginning, you're just learning to take care of yourself spiritually and learn what it means to be a spiritual person who is now in a relationship with Jesus, in a relationship with the church. The second stage, okay, I have a responsibility to this group of people called the church. I have an opportunity to be part of the mission of Christ. So what is that mission? What's my part in it? How do I serve in relationship to this mission and Jesus and the world? And you're, you're putting these things together and beginning to practice them out with others. So everyone should get to the stage where you are learning what it means to love other people enough to desire to help them to grow, to serve them, uh, to see them uh, change. So you grow in that you begin to practice it, and if you do that, then the natural progression then would, that would be that you go to the third stage, which would be spiritual maturity and reproduction. Spiritual maturity and reproduction. So what is that? Well, 
you have a good solid handle at this point in time on biblical priorities. Your goal really is to glorify God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to follow Jesus daily. You have built, and now you're maintaining healthy spiritual habits and the disciplines that build a strong spiritual life. Now, you've built these, these habits and disciplines. You've learned about these and built these maybe in the, the second stage where you're you're developing those habits and building the consistency in. But by this time, you have that consistency. You know which of the spiritual disciplines really are valuable for you and, and help you to stay uh, in a good, healthy place. So as you continue to apply these things, so this is where spiritual maturity comes in. You're, you're still learning. You never stop learning. But now you're really carrying this out. You're, you're really practicing it on a daily basis. Part of that would be intentionally seeking, seeking out younger people, or maybe just younger people in the faith, and investing in their spiritual life. Part of being mature is learning to invest in others. You know, one of the ways that I talk about this often is we have the image of an infant who grows into a child, who grows into a young adult, who grows into a parent, and you you see this progression naturally in our social relationships. We should have this in the church. A newborn believer, a new follower of Jesus, is an infant. Well, as a child, they're learning to feed themselves a little bit. They're taking a little bit of responsibility to do some things, but they're still not responsible for very much. But they become a young adult. And here they take on responsibility for themselves. They're really beginning to, making, beginning to make healthy choices, but they don't stay there either. Eventually, if society is to go on and, and thrive, that young adult needs to become a parent. Okay, now they're responsible for someone else. They're responsible to invest in someone else, to help someone else, this new infant, this new child, to grow successfully, to learn what it means to feed yourself, to learn what are the danger points in life, what are the places where you can uh, really thrive and, and enjoy, what are the places where uh, we need to seek out help and, and join together. So, a spiritually mature person begins to think about reproduction and begins to prioritize disciple-making activities and disciple-making relationships. So that second stage, they may be serving, but they're not trying to necessarily to help the person they're serving serve someone else. They're literally just serving them. But in the spiritual maturity and reproduction phase, you really want to see ministry go beyond this next person. You want to see this 2 Timothy 2.2 lived out worked out in your life and in someone else's life. Teaching faithful men who'll be able to teach others also. You want to see ladies in the church teaching ladies to be a better mothers so that they can teach their children, so that they can teach their children, so that they can teach uh, women in their community, so that these disciple-making relationships continue and go on. So you're answering questions like, who around me needs encouragement today? How can I help others grow and serve? What do I need to do to help others become disciple-makers? You're asking questions like this and learning to answer them in this third stage. So we have three stages. Spiritual identity and foundations. This is where we begin. Spiritual sacrifice and service. We continue and grow and learn to thrive here in our spiritual life. And then we have spiritual maturity and reproduction. And this is where all the things that we've learned come to fruition and we live lives that are fruitful, that glorify God and that help other people to grow. Thanks for joining me today. Check out runwithhorses.net for show notes and past shows. 
Write me at runwithhorses.net at norman at runwithhorses.net if you have comments or questions. Join our Facebook community and tell a friend if you found this show helpful. But whatever you do, keep running.